We pray that as we come now to a time where we reflect on your word and on our lives, that you might be speaking to us, that we might be listening for you, and that you might be making us more and more like you with every breath we take. Amen. Colossians 3, verse 9 reads this way. Don't lie to each other. Take off the old human nature with its practices and put on the new nature, which is renewed in knowledge by conforming to the image of the one who created it. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in her prayer, Judy mentioned uh, that there are a lot of people that have been on vacation this week and in this time of year, and, and Kelly and I are amongst those people. I want to thank you for, for giving us the permission to, to go away for a couple of days and to get away. Uh, last week, I heard great things about what Judy had to say. Thank you, Judy, for bringing the word and, and for the band and for everybody who was able to be here last week. Uh, surely, I, I joked that you know it was probably good to be able to hear a decent sermon for once. <laughs> so thank you, Judy, for, for bringing that, and uh, sorry that you're back to me now. Um, while we were on vacation, Kelly and I were in this rural part of North Carolina. And so we decided uh, when we got to this uh, part of North Carolina that we wanted to have something local. And so we went to a restaurant there in town. It was like a mom and pop kind of place. Kind of like, have you ever heard of a place called like a greasy spoon before? Is that a familiar kind of nomenclature, right? So, so Kelly and I go into this place and we're just going to get some lunch. And so we're looking at the menu and, uh, and all of the menu choices say, well, you get to have your choice of vegetable with whatever entree or whatever thing you choose. So hamburger or, you know, whatever you can, you can choose the vegetables. And so it says, turn the page to see the, the vegetables. So we turned the page and, and we saw the vegetables that were available. Now, some of these things that are on here are maybe not vegetables, right? Like, like there's a couple of fruits. Here's the one that stood out to me. Vanilla ice cream apparently is now a vegetable. I love that. That's great news for me. It's terrible news for New Year's resolutions, but it's great news for me, right? The, the restaurant thinks that vanilla ice cream is a vegetable, right? Obviously, vanilla ice cream is not a vegetable. This is not an incident where the restaurant was able to tell the truth. A lot of times in the world around us, we, we live in a world where maybe you're like me, and you expect in certain places that you're not going to encounter things that are the truth. Kelly and I watch TV sometimes. We've been getting into this show recently uh, called Scandal. Anybody, anybody watch Scandal out here? A few people? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a little crazy. Uh, there's a lot of, the, the show is about uh, kind of a, a, a political type thing set up, but it's all fictional, and uh, and there's a whole lot of not truth-telling in the show Scandal, right? And so so we're accustomed to that. Maybe uh, if, if you, you know, I don't know about where you work, sometimes maybe we're promised like a promotion or a, a pay raise or something like that, and we wait time and time again for that to, to take place. We feel as if we're not being told the truth. Maybe at home, maybe maybe you, uh, I, I know when I was a, a younger person, I often would have these sort of, like, uh, sometimes I would leave out bits of the truth when I was talking to my parents. Like, it wasn't that I, you know, was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but there's this whole, like, lying by omission type thing. Anybody familiar with that, right? Like, like okay, well, maybe I'll forget this part of, of the story. There, we live in a world where we see lies 
all around us. And I, I grew up in the church, right? I, I grew up in a United Methodist Church in Virginia Beach. And uh, growing up, I never had any reason to really doubt the things that I heard in the church. Even you know, when I was off in college, when I, in times where I, I didn't feel as closely connected to, to church or to my faith, I never really had reason to, to question what, I, what I, I was hearing or, or anything like that. And then one day, uh, it was actually when I was off at seminary. I was starting a, an internship. I've talked about it here before. That uh, was a hospital chaplain for a little while. And uh, and so my very first day being a, a hospital chaplain, I worked with pediatrics. And so there was a, a young boy that had come onto the floor at the hospital that I was serving at. And this boy had pneumonia. And, and so pneumonia is relatively treatable. And so doctors were working with him and, and they gave him a medicine to help with his pneumonia, and, and they didn't realize, the, the parents didn't know, nobody knew that the child was severely allergic to the medicine that they were giving him. So immediately the child went into shock, and, and the doctors worked with him to try and, and, and do a lot of stuff, but unfortunately that, that child passed away, five years old, passed away on the, on the floor of that hospital. And so I remember going around trying to talk to the parents, trying to, to get you know some semblance of order or figure something out. And, uh, and there was somebody who just kind of showed up, uh, who wasn't affiliated with the hospital, wasn't a chaplain, just was from somewhere else, and uh, approached the mom. I remember I was, I was working on some paperwork nearby, and I heard her say this phrase, you know, God just needed another angel in heaven. I will never forget the pain of that mother's face, the way that that mom looked like she was grieving before, looked like she was sad before, and how she looked angry then. Sometimes, you see, we say things, and we're trying to be helpful, right? The the person that said this to this this mom that had just lost her child, I'm, I'm sure was trying to do the right thing and, and trying to say the right thing. But so often, in our attempts to, to say what's right or or to justify how we feel, or to, to gain some semblance of, of order. Sometimes we say things that aren't as true, and aren't as helpful, and, and instead of being helpful, or upholding, or, or uplifting, sometimes they can be really challenging and really hurtful words. And so these next few weeks that we share together, are gonna, we're going to look at a few of these phrases that I've heard before, probably that you've heard before, that, that we hear around us. And they're phrases that, that we say because we're trying to do what's right. We're trying to, to say the right thing and to do the right thing. We're trying to be good people. But inadvertently, sometimes in trying to say the right thing or trying to do the right thing, we miss our mark. In the midst of this series, what I hope we'll keep in the back of our minds is that the central issue with this is often an issue of control. It's control over us feeling as if we have to say something. It's control over us feeling as if we, we have to justify our beliefs or our way of thinking. It's control and that we need to have a renewed belief in, in what we're saying or, or what we're, we're thinking. And in the, the process of control, I wonder how often we, we consider that we're very infrequently in control in this life. 
I love the bumper sticker. Maybe you've seen this on a car before. God is my co-pilot. Anybody ever see that before, right? Like, like see it around. It's so funny because, because it's, it's the mentality. It, it's a mentality that I have for sure from time to time. Maybe you have it. Maybe we see it around us sometimes. It's, it's this idea that like we're in charge of, of our lives, that we know what the next step is, that we know what's coming down the pike and, and that God's kind of along for the ride. And that, yeah, if, if we kind of miss on the controls for a little bit, God can take over the controls, but, but that really we're the ones in charge. When Christy was standing up here earlier to, to join the church, one of the things that, that she said, one of the things that we believe as Christians is this idea that, that Jesus Christ is our Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. It's what I think the writer of Colossians is telling us about this morning that that if we want to try and live by a bunch of rules, if we want to try and live trying to just do the right thing or say the right thing all the time, we're living in an old kind of way. But when we trust in Jesus as our Lord, Jesus as our leader, Jesus as our guide, Jesus as the, the forebearer of everything that we come to live and come to experience and come to know in this life, when Jesus is our Lord, then it doesn't matter as much what we have to say. It doesn't even matter as much maybe what we have to do. It's more that we follow Christ every day in every way, and what happens from there happens from there. Too often, I know for me, when I'm with families, believe me, I'm, I'm with people in tons of different kinds of situations. And all the time, I, I want to feel better about myself. And so, so I try to come up with a clever way to say something or, or try to do something that, that I think is going to make somebody feel better. And yeah, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But when we think about adopting the nature of Christ and adopting the nature of God, what the writer of Colossians talks about this morning, we remember that maybe God didn't come as much or as often as this sort of like, this is how it's going to be type guy or or this kind of like overarching figure. God often came in a still, small voice. Jesus' presence usually wasn't dictated by loud shouts or by wanting to be right all the time. It was by being with people, showing up, being present, and loving people where they were, who they were, so that people could become more and see themselves as children of God. And if we're going to embody Christ in our lives and we're going to tell the truth as Christians, then I think we ought to follow by the example that Jesus leaves before us. That maybe we ought to talk a little bit less and just be a little bit more. And in the process, maybe we'll find that Jesus is Lord. Maybe we'll find that, that in following Christ, we can discover truth immeasurable. And maybe our lives will change and the lives of others around us will change in a big, in an awesome way. About a week before Christmas, Kelly and I were, were watching one of those like year in review shows. You know, the, the kind of like, here's what happened in 2014. And one of the parts of the show was to talk about people who have passed away in the last year. And one of the people that they highlighted on the show was uh, Dr. Maya Angelou. Maybe you've heard of Maya Angelou. She was a, a prominent writer. She one of the one of the great thinkers of this generation. 
end up with the reminder that, that Maya Angelou had passed away in the last year, there was a, a quote of hers. And I remember seeing it, I'd seen it before, but it really hit me at, at Christmas at the time of this new year, at this time where we're trying to, to get ourselves right, where we're resolving to do better, to think better, to live better, to eat better, all of this better type stuff. I'm reminded of what Maya Angelou said, which is this. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So this is what these next few weeks are about for us. It's about discovering how our words and how our actions impact the world around us. Are we telling the truth with our lives? Or are we telling something different from the truth? Are we allowing Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, for Jesus to be our Savior, for Jesus to be our guide and our leader? Or do we want God to take the co-pilot seat so that we might lead our lives however we wish and just trust that God will pick up the mess when we're done? I think we've got an amazing journey ahead of us. And I hope you'll join in this journey. I hope that you'll understand that this doesn't come for me. I struggle with all of the things that we're going to talk about in these next few weeks are things that I have said at one point or another. They're things that, that maybe even I have believed. But they're things that I find more and more maybe aren't telling the full truth. Maybe aren't revealing the fullness of who God is. And maybe, just maybe, we have an opportunity to say something different, to live something different, and to allow the world around us to feel the love of Christ in 2015 and far, far beyond. Thanks be to God. Amen. One of the joys that we get to share in in the life of the church, one of the true truths that we get to share in is that God's grace is abundant, real, and an awesome and wonderful thing. We get to recognize God's grace week after week here at Fieldstone by celebrating in Holy Communion. Communion is a, a gift from God to us, a simple gift, the simplicity of bread and juice that reveals the abundance of God's love for us. We remember that God loved us so much that he created the heavens and the earth and everything in between, that he created you and me, that he created this world around us to live in. We remember that God loved us enough to, to send before us people to live, even though people were breaking the covenant of God's love. People kept trying and they, they kept attempting to figure out who God was and, and how God was, and, and God simply responded with love. God loved us enough to send his son named Jesus to be born of a virgin, to, to live a life, to minister to many, to heal many, to teach many, to suffer for us, to die for us, but then to live for us forevermore. And we remember that we are sustained by the Holy Spirit, the gift of God that breathes life into us, that breathes life around us, and that awakens us to the presence of God in our very midst in this very moment. Jesus took, during a last meal with 
some of his friends, took some bread. And he thanked God for it, and he gave it to his friends, and he said, take and eat. This is my body, and it's given for you. Do this often in remembrance of me. And so Jesus and his friends ate a Passover meal together. They enjoyed each other's company. They laughed. They cried. And at the end of the meal, Jesus took a cup of wine, and he gave it to his friends, and he said, take and drink. This is my blood of a new covenant that's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so today we remember that from the start of time to this time to the end of time, that God loves us, that God's grace is given freely for us, simply for us, but beautifully for us. And so we pray that God's Holy Spirit would pour out on all of us who are gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine, that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may in turn be the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood for this world. By your Spirit, God, make us one with you, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until you come at last, and we feast at your heavenly table. Through the Holy Spirit in your holy church, God, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. My friends.